What a great audience. This is amazing. It's so exciting to have you all here. And uh, I can't wait to hear from our speakers and from the pitches. Um, so we have a big night ahead and lots of stuff. So we're going to try to um, get through everything on time. Um, first of all, um, I wanted to thank El Pen for their sponsorship tonight. Um, and when you're enjoying the wine and the great food, um, you can think of them. And we're going to hear a lot about El Pen in just a few minutes. And I also want to thank Cleos, who's doing the fabulous drinks. So um, this really helps us. We operate on a shoestring budget, and so we really appreciate it. Um, just to give you some background as to who's organizing the event, uh, first of all, thank you Foley and Lardner for this magnificent space with these amazing views. Um, and uh, we are so grateful for your, your help on this. Um, Hellenic Innovation Network um, is organizing the event tonight. And um, we started a few years ago as an outgrowth of MIT Enterprise Forum Greece with the um, support of the Greek Consulate of Boston. And the goal was really to form a bridge for Greek startups expanding to the US um, and sort of um, knit our community together here of Greeks and Greek Americans in technology. And then have that community serve as a nice soft landing for any startups uh, coming out of Greece. So um, visit our um, platform at hellenic.org. You can register, learn about Greek news, get connected with others in the community, um, and hear about all our events. So we do both online events and in-person events like this one. Um, last season, we hosted 15 events with over 33,000 views. Um, and I can say tonight is definitely our record for an in-person event. So I'm really excited about it. Um, so this activity was being done a few years ago, but on a very disorganized ad hoc basis. And we really need to recognize Stratos Epineu, the Consul General of Greece in Boston, for having this brilliant suggestion, hey, why don't you create a council that will meet regularly and organize these events on a regular basis? And so that's what we did uh, starting a few years ago. And um, that has made all the difference. Stratos, as you may know, will be leaving to move on to bigger and better things in Brussels. And we're all so sad to see him go. He's been an amazing Consul General. And um, I just want to thank him. So um, in case uh, there's anybody in the whole Boston area of Greek origin who doesn't know it already, Tatsos' greatest legacy that he's leaving with us is this Delta flight direct from Boston to Athens. So I'm going to be on the first one coming from Athens to Boston on May 29th. But actually, there's going to be a lot of festivities and Greek dancers on the first flight from Boston, which is going to be on May 27th. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to uh, have Tatsos come up and speak. Thank you, Marina. Uh, it's, it feels like a family here. So many familiar uh, faces, friends, uh, people you know whom I know with their uh, with with their names: George, Marco, Nick, Michelle, Vasilis, Takis, Achilleas, uh, Marina. Uh, we often talk about Israel and how uh, Israel is uh, harnessing its uh, scientific uh, diaspora and how. Uh, we in Greece, we cannot do it. 
I think that that was my biggest um, question and worry all these years, uh, how we can harness the potential of our diaspora. Uh, and uh, I decided to focus on science, science diplomacy and on efforts that uh, promote the networking of our community. Uh, the tightest and the biggest our network is, the better it will be for our uh, community. Um, and every single day, um, all these almost five years in, in Boston, I felt like uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, amazing Greeks everywhere in biotech, robotics, AI, genomics, life sciences, cyber. It, it, it's really incredible and it's an experience that uh, if uh, one doesn't see it, one cannot uh, believe it. And the Hellenic Innovation Network is a concrete uh, uh, result of uh, of these efforts to uh, harness and bring together the scientific community and the innovation community of, uh, of Greece uh, for the benefit of the community, but also for the benefit of Greece. Uh, seldom does one uh, in a public uh, career uh, has the, um, uh, have the, has the have the privilege to see something tangible and a tangible result of his work. and. Uh, but here we have a very tangible result. We have built a network, uh, organized super events, physical events at MIT, at the consulate. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm proud to have been a co-founder of, uh, of this network. I dedicated almost 50% uh, of my time all those years for the innovation and science diplomacy efforts. And we have a consulate that, that you know that is understaffed, but I think that this cause is very important for Greece. Uh, and speaking about success stories, I'm glad that we do this event here at Foley. Uh, for those that uh, you don't know, and I'm not supposed to know, but I will, I will say it, Foley has arranged the acquisition of Akusonus by Facebook. So Akusonus is a Massachusetts-based Greek company that has more than 100 engineers in Greece. And this is uh, a great success story, and thank you, Foley, and thank you for hosting us here, and thank you, Dave Kandaros. Uh, and uh, and of course, uh, a, a person, not of course, but uh, one 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 people one uh, one person from our network had a key role there. Um, Michael Janis, a member of the Hellenic uh, Innovation Network. Uh, and today we had the uh, Mindspace at the consulate. And I would like to salute and welcome the young members of uh, Mindspace. Mindspace is an association that promotes technological entrepreneurship. Uh, and we discussed about the direct flight. Uh, we made a business case and we tried to bring Greece closer to, to Boston. And we managed to do it because we made, we made a business case uh, based not on what we wanted to do, what, on what seemed to us commercially sustainable, based on data and based on uh, objective facts. And with good wind, uh, wind Greece will be eight hours uh, close to Boston. Uh, and I want to thank everyone, especially Marina Hatsopoulos. Uh, Marina Hatsopoulos will receive in two weeks a special medal for her tireless efforts to promote young and technology entrepreneurship in, in Greece, and uh, this will be in this in a special ceremony. And I think this is uh, important because it sends out 
a wider message. The message that Chris appreciates what the Hellenic Innovation Network and its uh, scientific diaspora have been doing all those years. Uh, finally, I would like to uh, to publicly welcome Michel Vunatsos to the community of Greek citizens and thank him for his support. He just got his Greek passport. Congratulations. Hello, everybody. Uh, good evening. Thank you for coming here. Um, I want to thank our, uh, our sponsors and, of course, uh, Foley, uh, Chris and, and David there, because actually for some of you, you may remember this is not the first time we are hosted here. Five years ago, we had a similar event, uh, but the, and the, the discussion about Greece and technology was totally different. It was more like a joke at the time. Uh, today is not. Um, and, and, the, and the many people that are in the room and there's so many others that I wanted to register is a proof of that. Um, as Marina said, uh, Hellenic Innovation Network uh, uh, was the successor of what MIT Enterprise Forum uh, Greece started doing uh, actually in 2016 with a more funny name, Greek Tech Diaspora. We came up with a better name and a greater uh, URL thanks to uh, Mihalis Bledsa. So Hellenic.org uh, is the place to, to follow us on. Um, MIT Enterprise Forum uh, keeps running the program, helping technology entrepreneurs. Uh, for the past eight years, we have accelerated uh, almost 200 with a current cohort. Um, 54 of them keep growing internationally. And uh, with the latest round from uh, Spot a Wheel, uh, we are proud to say that they've raised more than 200 million um, from Greek and international investors. And given that we have raised uh, through donations and sponsorship about a million, you can say that we, could, we have multiplied uh, the, the money we got in, in, in several ways. Of course, this is not uh, the work of MIT Enterprise Forum only. There are other organizations like Egg uh, and, and, of course, the entrepreneurs, but this is important thing. So you're going to hear two of our alumni, um, PD Neurotech and Advantis, talking today. Uh, and I will invite you to join us uh, on in Athens on um, June 28, if I remember correctly, for the for this year's finals to meet uh, the new cohort of uh, successful entrepreneurs. So, um, without further ado, I would like to uh, uh, invite to the um, podium uh, Professor Achilles Gravanis, Professor of Pharmacology at the University of uh, Crete Medical School and Affiliate Research Professor at the Center for Drug Development uh, of the Northeastern University. He's the co-founder of a biotech uh, spin-off, BioNature, and he's a venture partner with uh, uh, Big five uh, ventures. And he's also uh, an, uh, the chairman of the external scientific board of LPEN. Um, and he will say a few things about the great work LPEN is doing uh, to grow the uh, Greek tech um, biotech community. Thank you all for coming. So I'm, I'm really very happy and moved to come back in Boston after 26 months of isolation in, in, in Crete. Uh, and uh, I'm also happy being with good friends, colleagues, and many of my ex-students in Crete, now working in, in, in Boston, in MIT, in Harvard, and in the private sector. I'm really, really moved and very happy for that. Uh, my sincere thanks, our sincere thanks to the Hellenic uh, Innovation Network for inviting us.
and of course the consulate and my good friend uh, um, Stratos. Uh, El Pen is a medium medium range uh, European uh, pharmaceutical company. Uh, it was founded 50 years ago by an, a very inspiring, actually, pharmacist, uh, Dimitris Pendafrancas, and uh, it employs about uh, 1,200 uh, persons, and the annual revenue is about 250 million. It is a private, totally private uh, company, and uh, it has different, uh, actually, subsidiaries. The uh, company decided a few years ago to invest in the future, in its future, and uh, uh, they started investing about 32 million euros to create a brand new, actually, biotechnology park. The park uh, is composed of uh, a biotech incubator, of an education and uh, conference center, of uh, a basic science research institute, and all this structure is uh, complemented by a CRO service, by uh, a very good, actually, vivarium and uh, a biobank. It is located nearby uh, the um, international airport of uh, Athens, and uh, eight kilometers, and about 24 kilometers far from the center of the city of Athens. Uh, the biotechnology incubator is its first of its kind in Greece. Uh, it will have web labs and a very good infrastructure, fully equipped uh, with the latest technology instruments. It will host startups, university spin-offs, and small companies in the field of uh, life sciences. Uh, it's composed of highly uh, specialized core facilities in the field of uh, genomics, proteomics, metabolomics, and high-throughput health data analysis and bioinformatics, among others. So the companies that will get into the, uh, into the incubator will have access to uh, venture capitals, collaborators actually of the park, and of course all the CRO uh, infrastructure. Uh, uh, we have started already discussions of collaboration with uh, Big Pie Ventures, and we think that uh, this uh, collaboration will give uh, the first funding for companies that will be interested to get into the uh, incubator. We have the education and training center. We have a very good conference amphitheater for 324 seats and an open space for events uh, and uh, exhibitions, uh, which can host uh, about 2,500 people. And of course, we have uh, uh, classrooms, uh, meeting rooms and uh, press rooms. The organization structure of the center, as depicted in the slide, we have our uh, board of directors, and in, um, in collaboration actually with the scientific board, an in-house scientific board, and an external uh, international scientific advisory council. Our team has very good scientists, and not only, uh, it is uh, the uh, one of the uh, you know the, the persons that are, have a key role in Elpen, Eleni Pedafraga. Uh, he is a member of the board of directors, and he is the project leader. We have uh, Konstantinos Stratakis from NIH, a very known scientist and physician, 
as a chief scientific advisor, Kiryaki Bakirji, coming from Tufts, Harvard, and UCLA, uh, is a scientific director of Educational Research Center. We have Dimitris Iliopoulos from Harvard, uh, uh, UCLA, and a founder of three spin-off companies as the chairman of scientific board. We have Nicholas Katsanis from uh, Yale and Dukes as the scientific board member and uh, coordinator of the infrastructure for zebrafish and the population genomics. I coordinate the International Scientific Advisory Council. And finally, we have Maria Anna Chuchu, a veterinarian who uh, will, uh, will actually uh, synchronize all this structure with the animal facility. finish by saying that uh, the park wants to collaborate and affiliate with uh, research centers uh, and universities in Greece and elsewhere. And uh, we have signed the first memorandum of collaboration with uh, the Foundation of Research and Technology Halas, the known ITE. And we envision to have an uh, analogous, actually, uh, memorandum of collaboration with uh, other universities and research centers in Greece. I will be at your disposal after the event if you need more information. Thank you very much for listening. So now we will start the fireside chat. We we are working on the assumption that you know who these people are. So uh, I think it's a pretty safe assumption. So we're not going to waste time on sort of generic bios and kind of dig right in um, on issues of the journey. So I'm very excited to uh, moderate this panel because we have with us uh, Nick Calacatos and Michelle Funatsos, who are two of really the leaders in the life sciences uh, industry and both are Greek, are of Greek origin, or I guess I can call you now Greek for good. So, uh, so uh, Nick is the head of the life sciences uh, group at Blackstone, which is one of the largest private equity groups in the country, in the world, and you manage $5 billion? $9 billion, I'm sorry. And, and uh, Michelle, uh, Leeds is the CEO of Biogen, a company that we all know very well here in Boston. It's one of the leading biotech companies. It has an incredible heritage in innovation in the neuroscience field. 
So uh, it's really exciting to be here. I thought that I would start by maybe asking uh, Nick and uh, Michelle to maybe give us a fun fact about themselves, something we might not know or not be able to find by reading your bio. I thought of something. I had the uh, privilege of working with Nick many years ago, so maybe I'll kick it off. Shall I guess, or do you want to go? No, 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 please, please, please do. It's embarrassing, so... <laughs> so, I happen to know that uh, Nick makes a great moussaka. I have seen pictures, uh, but I have not tasted, so I cannot actually... Um, really testify that it's good, but I heard it's good. And in, in our household, you, you, you get what you see, so it's, it's good. <laughs> and uh, I happen to know that uh, Michelle speaks six languages, but I don't know if Greek is one of them. None of them well. Great, great. So I thought we would spend some time really talking about your careers and how you got to where you are today. Nick, you started more on the science side, moved into the venture part. You, Michelle, was more, grew up through the commercial side, launching products, building franchises. So I think we could get to very different and interesting perspectives. So tell us a little bit about how you got here, Nick, and maybe what were the really uh, big inflection points in your um. So, I, I grew up in, in, in Greece, I was born in Athens and, and grew up in, in Thessaloniki uh, and I had the unusual um, set of family circumstances that my, my mother was a physician and, and she was one of the first women to come to Harvard Medical School and, and study medicine. So, uh, so I had a, it was an unusual um, of dynamic in the household, which was very science driven and medicine driven and service driven in terms of doing something good uh, for the world. Uh, and my father was a businessman, so I was grew up in the context of the business of science or the business of medicine, and that's what I, I'm doing now. I had been doing it for 30 years now. Um, yeah, so the, um, uh, after finishing high school, I uh, I came to the States to, uh, to study. I studied chemistry. Uh, my mother wanted me to become a physician, but I hated the sight of blood, so I would run away. <laughs> That's a good reason not to become a doctor. Um, and um, uh, so I ended up studying chemistry. So that was an indirectly ended up in the field that we're in, which is the biotechnology, the pharmaceutical area, uh, which is about treating patients at the end of the day. Uh, so I went to uh, MIT, I got a PhD there, uh, then I went to Harvard Medical School for a bit. Uh, Stratos would be very happy, I went back to Greece and served in the Greek military uh, for, for a year. And uh, I came back, did my, finished my postdoc, uh, joined the pharmaceutical industry. Actually, Michelle and I, we didn't know each other, but we ended up at the same place, which is uh, Siba Geige, which is now Novartis. Um, and I, I, was, uh, uh, I, was, I was head of of um, uh, research for a particular unit of, of, of SIBA. And then um, uh, one morning I received a, a call from someone with a very thick Swiss accent. 
and uh, said, uh, I hear that you're a good scientist and there's this thing called biotechnology that's that's happening in, in on the West Coast in San Francisco. So how would you like to move to San Francisco for a year and tell us what this biotechnology thing is all about? So I went home and my wife Alice is back there somewhere and and um, uh, and I said, well, this this, this guy calls and uh, he wants me to go to the Bay Area, learn about this biotechnology and do this thing called venture capital. What is venture capital? And we had no idea what it was. So we went to Webster's Dictionary and opened it up. Couldn't figure out what it was. Um, but the whole notion of being out in San Francisco for a year um, and figuring out this brand new world that was happening in, in, in the field of science, I thought was, was really something we couldn't really say no to. So we did. And um, 30 years later, I'm still doing it. Uh, maybe the, the, well, the area that, uh, or the company that Anna and I worked together on uh, was a company called Millennium, a company that I was uh, a founding investor of and eventually joined for a few years. Uh, Sorry, we're gonna, can we take a little technical break to have you move forward so the Projectors, not All in your us? eyes. No. Yeah, okay. just a little bit. And we're going to give yes. you a microphone so that it stops speaking. So it's okay. And, uh, uh, is that on? Or? Yeah, we're, we're, we're good in science, not necessarily technology. So <laughs> keep that in mind. And, uh, uh, so Millennium at the time, back in uh, 19, the early 90s, uh, was a really innovator in, uh, in the genetic basis of disease. And uh, we're very, very excited about that investment. And I, I liked it a lot and, and joined, uh, uh, joined that, uh, the company. And uh, you're one of the people I interviewed to, to hire <laughs> many, many moons back. Um, then eventually I went back to the uh, investment world, started my own firm called Claris, and about three years ago, uh, Blackstone acquired uh, my uh, uh, my firm, and we launched uh, a new a new business at Blackstone called Blackstone Life Sciences. Um, since to give you a little bit of an ad on Blackstone, it is the world's largest private equity firm. Yes, we manage somewhere between nine hundred billion and a trillion, uh, and our little thing of nine. You can all do the math. It's like a rounding error, the rounding error of what, what Blackstone um, uh, manages, but it is the largest, uh, we're the largest investor in life sciences. And since this is a Greek audience, uh, I'll share with you where the word Blackstone came from. I don't know if any of you know this. Okay. So in 1984, there were two people that worked at Lehman Brothers. One was the CEO of Lehman, and the other guy was the head of M&A of Lehman Brothers. And they wanted to leave and started their own firm. Um, and uh, they had to figure out how to call it. And of course, they went to their spouses and said, how should we call this? And they said, well, you should call it after your names. Uh, so one of those guys was uh, Steve Schwartzman, and the other guy was called Pete Peterson. So, um, uh, Schwarzman, Schwarz in German is black, so of course that's the black of Blackstone. And Pete Peterson, his real name was not really Pete Peterson, it was Petrus Petropoulos. <laughs> and 
you can you can figure out where the the stone of Blackstone came from. So it was it was uh, kind of a nice thing to see a, a Greek flavor into uh, into Blackstone. So that's that's my story. Well, Michelle started in Morocco. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your career. Yeah, certainly. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Delighted to be here with the Greek community. So good evening, everyone. For me, I took many detours to arrive at uh, 111 Huntington. Uh, I was born in Casablanca from Greek parents who were born in Morocco, 100% Greek, but born as a French. Speaking Greek over the weekend, French at school, and French national, you can hear my accent. <laughs> and uh, my dad was a self-made man. He had to work very early to pay for the medical studies of the eldest brother, Dimitri, in France. And he was working very, very hard as a salesman and then created his own company. And then when I finished, I was 17, 18, I finished my high school. I worked for him for a while because we had to pay for the studies of my brother and sister in France. And this was expensive. So I was taking his goods in a car and I was selling that in pharmacies, drugstores. And, uh, and this was a fabulous human experience as a Greek descent French in an Arabic country. <laughs> so um, family, the, 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 the uncle physician and uh, my eldest brother physician, cousins physician. I, I felt a bit that I was pushed to become also. Yeah, and, uh, and my father wanted me to take over his company. And then I said, no, I want to show you that also I can be a physician. So here I arrived in Bordeaux, where my brother studied, and I met my wife the first year. We married four years later back in Casablanca, and we worked so hard. You know, in France, numerous clauses used to become to pass the first, second year. It's so, so dramatic. And then after six years, seven years, I was fascinated by the intellectual side of the medical science, but much less by the practice, day-to-day -day practice being married to a physician, myself becoming a physician. She was one year ahead of me. I'm always very gallant. And, uh, and, uh, and one day I say, you know, I want to do an MBA. And she said, why? You want to quit medicine? Said, no, I want synergy. And with that, we're going to discover the world. So I went and I studied an MBA in Paris, I should say, and with a dual education, I started my career in Sibagagi, but this is the experience of with my dad that, that never left me. This uh, meeting with customers, creating value by meeting others. Not behind a computer, there was no computer, there was no TV at home, by driving a car and trying to create value for the family. And my dad used to tell me, Michel, take some money. I said, no, this is for you, for the brother and the sister. And this experience gave me this uh, gene and this, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, uh, this will to be always in contact with others and trying to create value. And from there, from the medical school and the MBA after eight years and then the, the MBA, we traveled the world with my wife and three kids. We went to Switzerland, Sibagagi, uh, then we went uh, to Saudi Arabia, and uh, for four years, my wife worked as a doctor there. Then from Saudi, I came to work in White House Station in New Jersey. Then Poland, five years. Then Belgium, three years. Then Paris, four years. Beautiful Paris. Then China for four years. 
and I could have spent the rest of my life in China. What a fabulous country. Nobody should ever neglect China. The population, the planning, there is a side that we may you know, uh, discuss about, but there are a lot of great positives that we have to respect. And the momentum and uh, this uh, number one consumer market and now the number two pharma market in the world. Nowadays having some very difficult times, but uh, uh, China always come back and come back stronger until Ken Frazier, the head of Merck, said it's time that you come back to the US. So here we are back in New Jersey with my wife and the kids. The kids are getting older and studying. And uh, after four years, I heard that there was a biotech, I was a big pharma guy, and there was a biotech uh, you know, uh, 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 specialist and clique in Boston and, and in the US that I did not know. Until the time I received a call from a headhunter, I applied. I saw my predecessor present in uh, JPM, JP Morgan, and I admired the specialization in neuroscience. And I had just lost my mom from an atypical Parkinson. And my wife and I were powerless, and nothing was working on this poor lady. And she left young and beautiful. And I said, I would love to dedicate the rest of my career to this space, to this vertical, to this specialized company that dedicates its capital to neuroscience. And this is why I'm in Biogen since six years. Maybe switching gears a little bit. Um, we're in Boston, we're surrounded by hundreds of biotech companies, none as big as Biogen, uh, venture capital groups, the med leading medical uh, institutions, academic institutions. We have a very uh, vibrant um, ecosystem here. What do you think the opportunities and challenges are from an investor perspective uh, going forward? Making winners, that's the <laughs> number one. Um, you know, I, I, I look back, actually, I meant to mention Marina because uh, there was a business relationship way back with, with Marina's father at Thermo Electron. So one of the stages of, of my career um, was with, uh, I worked with the uh, Rockefeller family office, their venture capital arm called Benrock, and, um, and Benrock was a founding investor of Thermo Electron. Uh, that uh, Marina's father was uh, was a founder of. So talking about exciting um, investments and successful investments, that was I think the original investment was the year I was born, 1957. So that was a long, long time ago. Um, and uh, but that was success. It took a long, it took great science that uh, passionate people uh, identified as potentially transformational. But the science itself was not enough. They had to apply it to something that, that could generate revenue pretty pretty quickly. And, and that science evolved into instruments that applied to multiple businesses. And they, they it was not just uh, George Hadzopoulos, but John Hadzopoulos was, George was the science and engineering genius, and his brother John was the finance genius. So they created this really, really wonderful system uh, of innovation that translates to business, uh, that leverages 
um, the ability to uh, raise money from the public markets in a very efficient, reproducible way, in a, in a, in a massive way. Um, so when I think about um, winners, I think about people, I think about technology, people that can translate technology to business, that also, especially in our area, in the pharmaceutical area, um, have a really good understanding of the patient and the patient needs and, and also pricing reimbursement and things of that sort. To give you to give you an example, because this is real time. Yesterday I was at a, I was talking at the Mass General Brigham had a event the last two or three days to ask me to, to speak about gene and cell therapy. And there, there's tremendous innovation in that in that field. Just go back 40 years where we only had small molecules could take a pill, now you take a cell, and that's the drug. I mean, think about it for a minute. It's it's tremendous what has happened in the course of 30 years. But uh, if you think about gene therapy versus small molecules, you know, small molecules, a pill, you take one a day. With gene therapy, you take an injection once in your lifetime, and you're done. So how do you price something like that? How do you price the once one and done treatment. And one injection can cost two and a half million dollars, but you never take another one. Uh, and you also are cured from the disease. So how do you go about thinking about that? So this is, um, you can do all the science correctly. You can, you can take the, you know, the best and brightest in the world that would come up with new gene therapies and cell therapies. But unless we solve the problem of pricing and reimbursement for those medicines, these will never find the market. They'll never get to the patient. So it's a, it's a very complicated equation of science, business, finance, public policy, um, uh, ethics, bioethics, uh, that all need to come together to build a, a, winning, um, a, a winning company and a winning investment. And you really need to take care of all of those things into consideration as you as you as you make these investments and uh, it's hard it's not it's not easy so pick winning picking the the winners is a tough process there are thousands and thousands of opportunities but how do you pick the five that we invest in every year and you put two three four hundred million a billion behind them that's a different story so michelle as at biogen um at biogen you probably get calls from many of the hundreds of biotech companies here. So you must, and the, and the universities, you must have a real view uh, from the bio, large biotech and from the patient standpoint about the innovation here. You probably also have a good view of what's going on in Washington, because Nick mentioned pricing, but a lot of what will drive that pricing is uh, going to happen in Washington. What's your sense about how Biotech, the life sciences field will evolve given these the innovation, but then the challenges we have. Thanks, Thanks uh, for, the, for the great question. Um, one of the reasons why I joined this great company is that because it was specialized. It is specialized in one of the most challenging spaces, which is the brain. That we, it's hard to understand the physiology, don't imagine the physiopathology and then the treatment opportunities. So challenging, but so relevant because the epidemiology is so large. So what is very attracting is that you dedicate most of your capital to this space, but it is high risk, high reward, where you develop programs and you have capabilities like imaging genetics and others in order to help, you know, design the best studies, etc. But even if you are specialized, 
you don't have the monopoly of what's going on in neuroscience around the world. So you need to partner. You need to have this vigilance and to extend your hand to the rest of the world that, has, that share the same goal, but with different means, so that you can eventually uh, uh, deliver value to the patients. It's so, so um, complex that you need to partner. So we are partnering all around the world, and uh, it's not a day without, a re without receiving two, three propositions from some of you and beyond. And I read each one of them. And, uh, and I follow through because we need to evaluate, we need to come back. So we have an excellent innovation group. And we are scouting. We are scouting in Israel, we are scouting in China, we are scouting on, on, on the West Coast, all around the world to evaluate so that one plus one gives two. So it's all about partnering. I'll be flying in two days in the Far East to meet partners. And we need to be very uh, humble and try to look in the other, the positive that they can bring, so that together we can win and serve the patients. Price comes after. What the challenge is to bring the value to the patients. And uh, okay, so Washington, uh, Paris, or Warsaw, or Riyadh, or wherever I've been, Shanghai or Beijing, price, the payer cannot pay everything for everyone all the time. We have an aging society, Science is progressing thanks to your talent and your contribution, and it's very difficult with the public resources to pay for everybody all the time. So uh, we ask people to co-pay, to contribute, uh, but at the same time, people communicate between uh, institutions and regulators, communicate between each other in order to learn on how to, push, to, to place the best measures. And this is what's happening nowadays in the US. And as you have followed, most probably during the past months, we have been some, uh, some challenging discussion about some uh, potential uh, defining uh, you know, products in the treatment of Alzheimer's, for which the story is still unfolding. But we are so proud to have, after 20 years, the first FDA-approved product. And we are continuously committed to the patients, to this mission, to a pipeline that goes beyond the single product. And, uh, and with time, we will get there for the best of the patients. Profit will follow. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the uh, drug. There's been a lot of discussion around drug development, which is so hard, as both of you said. Uh, that new technologies are going to make drug development more efficient. I think when Nick and I were at Millennium, um, I guess almost 20 years ago now, and at the, at the cusp of the genomics uh, era, uh, and we talked about genomics making drug development easier. In fact, it made it more difficult in the short term. Do we think that we are at a time where we will be more efficient because we know so much more about the biology and actually will increase the odds of actually getting from an idea to, uh, uh, to a drug? It, it really depends. Um, it, science is, there's no magic bullet for what we do. There's no one technology that would solve everything and be applicable to everything. Michelle talked about the brain. That's as black a box as it gets. 
and and it's so hard to understand how that that works. We know how to how to uh, kill, a bacterium. kill a bacterium or kill a virus. Uh, look at the um, you know our compatriot uh, Albert Bulla, what he's done in Pfizer and 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 uh, his uh, antiviral the antiviral product that that. Um, I suspect some of you in this audience have taken as part of the, the COVID uh, situation was developed in less than uh, 18 months or so. And it's not that it was developed out of the blue and, and all that. It follows a very specific mechanism of action, which you, you, know, you, you, you block the maturation of the, the protein of the virus and you kill the virus. So, so it's uh, it's been used before, and HIV has been used before, and hepatitis C has been used in many other viruses. So it was quick. People know how to do that, and people know how to look for safety. They, many of these molecules have already been made, so it's a question of finding the right one. But that's the simple stuff. Um, thinking about uh, how to how to treat cancer, a variety of of uh, of specific type of cancer. There's not one kind of cancer, probably a thousand forms of cancer as you think about the different ways that is stratified. And my cancer is very different from someone else's cancer. So you have to personalize. You have to think very hard about and understand the molecular basis of, of many of those, the, the particular personalized form of the disease, and then find the right collection of treatments to get uh, to get to that. So. Before we, we knew very little. You injected a, 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 an experimental medicine into a rat, and you figured out that if the rat did okay and it didn't turn upside down, that's probably a good thing. And you did it a hundred rats, and and then you went to humans. And that's you think about many of the drugs, the early drugs on the market, they would never have gotten approved. I mean, just simply, they wouldn't. The FDA would not let them through uh, because people didn't understand the science behind it. They're not particularly specific. We still don't know how aspirin works, by the way. Um, <laughs> so um, if, I, if I may add to what uh, Nick just said, uh, I think that technology should be everywhere. I fundamentally be believe into the synergy between biology and technology. Uh, there is a plasticity of the brain to external stimuli, uh, and this is being demonstrated in depression and in many other uh, different diseases. We are partnering with a company in Boston that developed uh, receptors that you can put in one in each shoe uh, for MS patients, and they have uh, their rhythm, their walk with the music. And uh, uh, this is now evidence-based with a clinical trial, whereby after two sessions a week, they show a statistical significance in terms of the way the patients walk, and 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 and, and this is critical that we bring together technology and, and, and biology. So we have created Biogen Digital Health, and this is dedicated to bring together you know, the neurobiology with the neurotechnology to best serve the patient. Think about ALS. Think about all this space. And, uh, uh, and this goes from early research to basically serving the patients. You know? um, and if we step back, for example, you know, in clinical research phase two, it may take three, four years in Parkinson's disease to have an answer because there is a visit once a month or once every two months with a physician all around the world and the variability of the clinical assessment. Well, if you use technology, you measure 
you know, the cognition and the way you, uh, you, you act 24 hours a day. And it's also a very good, uh, I would say, paradigm change shift potentially as long as society is willing, but we are going there, which is to transform the system from being what is today a sickness care system whereby we act most of the time when it's too late. When the patients with Parkinson's is diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you know, you know, big percentage of the neurons are already dead. To a true healthcare system and personalized intervention based on the family risks, based on the way eventually digital biomarkers can trace, detect, and early alert. And I believe this is the future. And this, is, this will be the most efficient intervention as long as it is early. Michelle, uh, drug discovery development in neuroscience has been very difficult. Uh, sorry. Uh, drug development in neuroscience has been very difficult because you have to wait for outcomes, uh, and sometimes those outcomes take time. Are ima brain imaging technologies at the do you think that we'll ever get to the point of being able to image the brain as a surrogate endpoint for what might be going on? Or is the brain too complex of an organ to be able to do that? I mean, the great company I serve has made tremendous inroads into uh, biomarkers and imaging. And it's amazing the added value and benefit that it can bring to clinical development, to basic research, clinical development, and uh, patients monitoring. So yes, I fundamentally, fundamentally believe that this is critical, but associated with genetics, associated with other aspects too, not solely the imaging. Well, I know we only have a, a few more minutes. I know we only have a few more minutes, and I do want to cover uh, a last topic, which is all about Greece and what is going on in Greece. I think one of the very fortunate outcomes of the uh, economic crisis is that we're seeing a lot of innovation, and I think uh, we talked, many people talked about it at the introduction here. So. Um, many new companies, we've heard about the recent success with the acquisition of the Facebook, which acquired uh, a acquiring company. Um, so the first question is, if you were advising the Prime Minister, what kinds of things would you suggest that he does, that the, that the Greek government does to really stimulate uh, this trend? Actually, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we're going to present to Kiriakou uh, Mitsotakis in, I think, the next two or three weeks or so, uh, our collective thinking. There's a, a working group, a very, very high quality uh, working group that uh, has been thinking about it for, for, for some time now. And there are multiple layers of, of, of uh, how one can, one can think about it, but it, it does boil down to uh, there's a brain trust in Greece that is very deep and very um, exciting and interested and accessible and inexpensive in, in, in many ways in that, in that regard, uh, well-trained and well-connected. 
but then there, there are infrastructure questions and challenges in Greece that, that uh, are, are limiting. But there are a few areas that, that one can see that one can, um, one can improve. So manufacturing, for example. Uh, manufacturing uh, not of small molecules or pills that are um, relatively genericized and already uh, there are great companies that do that in a, in a, in a very good way, but can you, can you manufacture biologics? Can you uh, manufacture cell therapies? Can you manufacture uh, gene therapies that are at the very high end and margins are very, very large and require uh, advanced technologies to do that? So that's kind of one general bucket that we think is, is, is going to be very exciting. Um, another one is, uh, uh, is clinical trials. There are, uh, Bruce has been uh, historically not very active in terms of uh, clinical patients recruiting into clinical trials. And they're very sophisticated clinical centers in Greece. They're very well educated, very well trained physicians that can manage clinical trials. And uh, another thought is to see uh, more of a service business that, that is involved in that, in that process. That, there are a whole bunch of other issues. Greeks don't, don't you know, just culturally and not, don't feel that they, they want to be, uh, be part of a, of, a, of a trial necessarily, so we have to overcome that. But uh, there are other ways that one can help. Maybe one, one uses more analytical technologies that maybe we, we go and recruit patients in other neighboring countries, and then it's more of a processing type of situation. You look at surrogate markers, you look at, at genotypes, you look at the, at the patient histories, et cetera, so more of the analytical part. Um, there are one or two other areas, but the one that I like the most, where Greece is really, really good at, is, is information technology and machine learning and AI and uh, things of that sort. That are not that do not require fancy uh, infrastructure. Do not require sophisticated and expensive uh, infrastructure labs, labs and things of that sort. Even though uh, what you guys are building, I think, is 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 very exciting. But um, sit in front of a terminal and and figure out why gene causes cancer. That that's doesn't cost very much and. But it does require a deep understanding of biology. It does require computational power. It does require um, collaborations around the world and really smart people that, that, that know this area. So I think the IT uh, part of it, as it applies to uh, medicine and healthcare more broadly on one hand and then scientific discovery on the other hand, I think that um, uh, that's going to be very exciting. Again, I point to Albert because he's... Um, <laughs> in many ways, he's embarrassing us by, by being a step ahead of everyone else. You know, he, he built a, a very exciting center in Thessaloniki, an AI group for Pfizer, employs uh, two, three hundred people, and that's what they do. It's they, they search for uh, disease-causing genes. So those are some of the ideas that we have and were formally proposed. Yeah, and uh, I see a lot of progress. We have the privilege to uh, have a house in Kios. And the highlight of the year is when the family is coming together in Kios. And, um, and um, I see progress in terms of healthcare. But very often, governments, politicians tend to speak about economic growth. And uh, people have to remember, and it's well documented in the literature, that there is a very close correlation with the state of health of the population and the economic prosperity. So what I communicated to the respected prime minister is that we need to declare that life science 
and and the the, the the health of the Greeks are very important. It's very important. The priority, the way tourism is, for example, and then do everything in order to gradually upgrade the quality of care, the prevention, pay well the physicians and the caregivers. Okay, make sure that there is no brain drain the way we had for many years. Secure that. We reform the institution, the universities, the academies, so that you can attract the talents. Okay, so it's a lot of work. It's a long-term commitment, and the cycles are pretty long in our industry. And I think we need to get started there. The way the government stated that ESG and green economy was a priority, we need to do the same. I'm positive because I see so much dynamism and change under the current regime. And IT and digitalization is one aspect, and we've seen that for COVID, that I'm more optimistic than I was before. But there is still a lot of work to be done, and we want to help. I have one last question for each one of you, for each of you. Um, there is a group of young people in the audience. Some of them represent the, the startup companies. Some of them are with Mindspace. All want to be entrepreneurs and be successful and to do that in Greece. Do you have any advice for them? What's the Nike commercial? Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we need to be proud of, uh, of, uh, of the country and the opportunities, and we need to put the seeds, and um, it's good to go against uh, the trend and the cliché. And the people who come first have the largest opportunity. I, I see really this as an opportunity for those who have uh, the courage to, uh, to, be, to be early. When you give first, you give twice. Um, do we have a few minutes to open it up to questions from the audience? Sure. Okay. Anyone? I have a... Okay, hi. So first of all, thank you so, so much for the very insightful conversation and the wonderful, really, really wonderful questions. Uh, I'm an oldest counsel, I'm a professor over at MIT, and I work in genomics and genetics. And, you know, of course, we study the brain and many other things. Um, one of the questions that I have is, as we start thinking about sort of Alzheimer's subtypes and uh, sort of being able to tailor drugs to specific types of indications and, and predispositions for individuals, what is the role of, I mean, we heard already about imaging biomarkers, but I'm also curious about, number one, blood biomarkers, basically yeah. start understanding sort of the variability there. Yeah. And number two, genetic biomarkers. Basically, yeah. there's a lot of uh, ability to predict yeah. genetically, not only the risk for individual diseases, but also the cumulative transcriptional dysregulation, if you wish, of individual pathways. So you could start tailoring therapeutics to specific pathways. So I'm curious about your take on that. Yeah, and I, lo I love your, your question and your, your, your comments. And my, my take is not very sophisticated the way you know, your, your, your deep science allows, but these are complex heterogeneous diseases. And you, when you bring different lights in terms of biomarkers and other uh, uh, aspects of genetics, you can find some subcategories and subgroups that become much more homogeneous and much more responsive potentially to a treatment and intervention. And this is a step towards, again, getting closer to, closer to personalization. So yeah. I see this as a, a clear benefit for clinical research also. We see the roles of ApoE4 in, in Alzheimer's, for example. 
and also in the clinical practice. Maybe maybe not in in uh, neurodegeneration, but in epilepsy, there are, remember correctly, 94 genes that cause epilepsy, and uh, which means that there are probably 94 different types of epilepsy, and um, and. 40% of epileptics do not respond to medication. So, and the reason they don't respond to medication is because there are many different types of epilepsy. So, so um, we could, and you can begin to group these these different genes. They're all ion channels, and and say that you know, it's group A, group B, group C, and and you probably have drugs that cover a broader range of these these groups. But that's where we're heading, and. Um, and epilepsy is a little bit easier to, to tackle, I think, than neurodegeneration because shorter time frames, you get results a lot faster. But um, and the impact on, on patients is, is real. I mean, we, we're working on uh, a couple of products that are developing kids that have 50, 100 seizures a day. Uh, and, um, you know, if you see that, it's transformational. In, in, a, in a very short period of time, you see the impact of that. But that's where we're heading. Hi everyone, it's an honor to have you here today. Um, you guys have an amazing career and we are thrilled to have you here today. Um, so my question is Biogen, um, <laughs> regarding Biogen. So I'm an investor in the public markets and a commentator and so on business networks. And so um, the Alzheimer's drug is a drug that has been covered many times uh, on TV and as investors are tracking very closely. So I'm asking not as an investor, but as a person who lost her grandma, my yaya, uh, from Alzheimer's. And, you know, people, we really need the drug uh, for it. So what should we expect next? Um, what What is the next when it comes to the Alzheimer's drug of Biogen? Hope is there. And uh, when you're a pioneer, you need to be very resilient. And Greeks know what resilience means in sports, in history, in resistance, and in adversity. We are very resilient. But, you know, we don't find the breakthrough innovation at the first go. You need to be very persistent. The industry spent more than 100 billion the past 20 years without finding any product. And here we are with the first, but with some data gap and controversy. Very often the pioneer leads to controversy. And this is what we have faced. But, you know, we remain uh, uh, you know, steadfast behind our data. And we have more data in the coming months. And there are all the products from a few companies coming with the same mechanism of action. So it's a matter of a few months in order to learn more, driven by data and science. So science is breaking. And more than ever, it's the decade of the next oncology, which is neuroscience, including Alzheimer's. This is my view. It's so complex that most probably a single intervention will not cure, but will certainly uh, uh, impact the life of the patients in a positive way. That would be amazing, and thank you for your work. Great. Well, I want to thank both Michelle and Nick 
I want to uh, thank both Michelle and Nick uh, for really telling us more about their life and their thoughts about the life sciences. And maybe a last question. Where are you going on vacation in Greece this year? Yeah. No brainer. <laughs> Thank you all and congratulations. Good evening, everyone. My name is Chris McKenna, and as the managing partner of the Boston office, it's my pleasure to welcome all of you here tonight. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Marina, for having Pauline Lana be part of this great event and great network. We really appreciate it. And I can tell you, as the office management partner, this is probably one of our first events to this scale. And just feeling the energy of people all in one room feels awesome, right? It's great to bring community of people together. And you can feel the connectedness. And so I really appreciate that. And it's reminiscent of pre-pandemic times when we were all together. And hopefully this is good science to come where um, we do it more and more. So thank you. And before we go on to the next segment here, where we're going to do some startup pitches, I want to thank our great panelists, um, Anna, Michelle, and Nick. They did a great job sharing their personal journeys, which we appreciated, giving us some great insights into the life sciences. And obviously, they're the great representatives and great leaders of the Greek community. So very, I'm sure everyone's there very proud of them. And now I'll tell you a little bit about Foley if you're not familiar with us, right? We're one of the top law firms in the country with 1,100 attorneys across 25 offices from which we deliver top legal talent using innovative services and integrated teams of specialists to address customers' business challenges from the lens of the customer in the life science and technology sector. And although we enjoy working with all of our clients of all sizes and we have the privilege of calling some of the best brand names in technology and life sciences. Our clients, some of the clients that we, most of us like to work with or have true and dear to our hearts are these exciting emerging tech companies and life sciences companies that you're gonna hear about tonight, where we get to spend time learning, taking all the knowledge that we gain, working with the larger companies, helping these companies get funded, formed, funded, operating, grow, and sold. And I hope all the companies you see tonight create success through all those phases. And to keep the program moving along, I'm going to introduce my colleague and friend in our own Greek connection, Dave Pintaros, where Dave spent a lot of time helping and mentoring a lot of Greek-based companies and paying forward and helping them navigate through the U.S. business, legal, and regulatory framework. So without further ado, I'm going to pass the mic to Dave Pintaros. Hi. So I'm a venture capital attorney. I enjoy working with young companies, but particularly have an interest in Greek companies who we've been representing for many years. And with some of the exciting companies you're going to see tonight and that we're seeing coming out of Greece, it looks like it's going to be a great future for these emerging Greek companies. So with that, um, I'm going to bring up uh, our partner, Kyle Tajay. Kyle's the uh, head of our uh, national healthcare and life science group. And she's going to introduce the companies one at a time. So come on up, Kyle. Um, so you're going to see five companies, uh, and each company is going to speak for a total of, well, have five minutes allocated to them. Three minutes, they're going to give sort of a, a pitch as to what they do, uh, and then two minutes will be reserved for uh, Q&A. Um, I'm going to be in by the exit sign for the companies, just so you know. So when you hit um, two minutes, I'm going to hold up the one minute to tell you you have one minute left, uh, and then 
when you hit three minutes, I'm going to hit this. And then if you keep talking, I'll give you 15 seconds or so, then I'm going to clank a glass. Because we want to save some time for, for you know, a minute and a half to two minutes for any questions we can get. Uh, so with that, let's get rolling. Kyle, you're in charge. Great. Thanks, Dave. Hi, everybody. My name is Kyle Fajay. As Dave suggested, I'm the co-chair of our healthcare and life sciences practice group. I work with young companies all the time, very established life science companies as well, um, largely in research and clinical trial space, FDA regulatory, and then helping companies commercialize when they come to the United States, getting through the compliance thicket that awaits companies when they come over here and try and sell drugs and medical devices. But enough about me. Tonight's really about you and about innovation and these young companies that I'm really excited to hear about. So without further ado, um, I'd like to introduce Nikos Moskos um, from Neurotechnology. PD neurotechnology. Oh, geez, That's terrible. You can put it So, uh, good evening, everyone. Kalispera. My name is uh, Nikos Moskos. I'm a co-founder and business director of PD Neurotechnology. Thank you very much for this honor, Marina, for the invitation, and uh, also we're proud to be an alumni of uh, the MIT Enterprise Forum. We have three minutes. I'm going to try to be very fast. It's about Parkinson's disease. So you've heard a lot from our previous um, speakers, and it, it felt like in, in, a, in a way they were introducing this speech because it's about digital biomarkers, about all that. So it's a very difficult disease. Unfortunately, there's no cure. There are too many doses after a while, and through these doses, you're trying to mitigate the symptoms effect. You cannot cure it, but you can manage the quality of life. And there are frequent visits needed we heard that it's once or twice uh, every two months. Usually it's like every six months or a year. It's based on subjective assessment and there's lack of objective evidence. This is a problem and is a real unmet need documented through all the publications uh, so far. The solution to that is PD Monitor, our technology. It is in the market. It's brought to market by PD Neurotechnology. And as you can see on the left-hand side, there are five wearables that are uh, the patient wears on the two hands, on the lower calves and on the waist. They collect data throughout the day. And then when they're put on the smart box, they convert into symptoms. And this is like a holy grail because you have all symptoms of the disease in an objective manner. And then through Wi-Fi or LAN, they go to the physician in a very clear manner, graphically depicting together with information about the timing of nutrition, timing of medication from the mobile app. And all that is clear to the physician to take decisions. So this is a paradigm shift, like we heard from Michelle, and we believe it is changing the way the whole disease is managed. Now, some numbers. We have 65 people we are associated with, 40 full-time people in Greece, and 25 uh, globally supporting us as agents or distributors. 30 global centers are using our technology. 21 publications support what we've done so far. Five patents in progress in various stages. Four ISOs in order to be a true medical device company and be able to commercialize this technology. This is not uh, early stage. This is in the market happening. It's a true product. For, uh, two strategic deals with major pharma, hopefully with Biogen, with her today. So maybe we'll talk with Michelle. It's exactly what he talked about, about multiple sclerosis. 30 million global patients, soon to double. 
Half a million revenue, one minute. Yes, thank you. It's okay. And it's 40 seconds. <laughs> so <laughs> half a million in revenue. Uh, and the first was in the COVID-19 situation. So believe me, when we, we took the plane and we were able to display what we're doing, things started rolling on. With WebEx, it's a bit difficult to sell. 13 countries with sales traction and some key competitive advantages that make us, we believe, a class-leading product in this uh, remote objective monitoring in Parkinson's disease. Funding so far, 5.5 million. Uh, Big Pies is presented today and I want to thank very much for supporting us all the way. We're now raising another five to commercialize in the US to do some additional studies for investment. And we're looking for an experienced financial investor, hopefully in the East Coast, who knows digital health and can understand this technology and possibly close to Parkinson's disease. Thank you very much. Uh, anyone who wants to talk either now or later, I'm available today, but also tomorrow and then going back to Greece. Thank you very much. I'll start. Uh, Please. So where are you in the regulatory process, either abroad or in the U.S.? In the U.S.? Yeah. yeah. So, I'm asking where the product is in the regulatory process, either abroad or in the United States, whether there's clearance yet or approvals yet. So, Kyle, thank you very much for the question. <laughs> in medical devices and digital health, maybe the number one is regulatory. About a month per year is regulatory for almost the entire company. We are C-marked. We are also soon clear to uh, sell in Israel, and uh, we are clear to sell in Turkey. And in the U.S., we have filed for FDA clearance. We've been through the dialogue, and hopefully within the year, we'll get the clearance here as well. Is this compatible with every possible uh, operating system? Is it compatible with iPhone or other systems? Yes. Just to clarify, it's on... Uh, 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 Apple Play, uh, uh, Google Cloud, I mean, it's downloadable, and it's just not just a mobile app. It's a whole technology. It's uh, 6,242 pages of software that have been developed in the last 16 years, and part of that is also what is downloadable from uh, uh, the cloud uh, in terms of the application. Yeah? Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Really, really exciting technology. Next, I'd like to introduce Vesaliki Rendhubi from Langeware. Imagine narrating how to make a cup of coffee screens for difficult diseases, such as screens for difficult diseases, such as Alzheimer's and depression. Hi, I'm Vesaliki Rendhubi, and, and I'm the CEO and founder of Langeware. My background is research in the domain of uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and computational linguistics. The problem we are solving is that neurodegenerative and psychiatric diseases are detected at a very late stage when any intervention or treatment have either minimum or null efficacy. This is, this is why we have created the Langover platform, which um, aims uh, at detecting such diseases at a very early stage. Uh, with the Langover platform, we are providing our, our customers from the senior care industry, the health tech and the healthcare sector with a quick and accurate solution to detect 
early and accurately and monitor uh, the patients across uh, time. The market we are targeting is above 500 billion, and this comes from the healthcare sector, the telehealth, and the senior care <coughs> industry. Our solution is above and beyond uh, the competition as uh, we are holistic. Uh, the solution is scalable to a wide range of diseases. It is really fast as it lasts, less than three minutes. It is simple to use uh, and uh, engaging. Uh, the platform uh, provides accurate, precise, and interpretable results that help uh, the users to make actionable decisions about their patients, and it also functions across languages. The solution is patented, and our patent has a very broad coverage, and our team uh, is operating uh, both in Greece, in Greece and in the U.S. So far, we have great traction, uh, and uh, we are currently validating our CPT code regarding reimbursement. So far, we have raised two rounds of seed funding, totaling $2.9 million, and we are actively raising for an amount of up to $7 million. Our goals uh, at this round is to further expand in the U.S. market and also to enhance our sales and product development team, and also to proceed with our FDA application. Uh, we would really be delighted if we can have interest to VCs uh, at the health sciences space, and also uh, to telemedicine companies and large uh, health tech companies, and also to executives at big formas and to uh, directors of uh, big uh, verticals. Thank you so much for your attention. and. I would be really happy to answer any questions you might have. But a question back here, Kyle. Okay. Well, it's just a simple analysis. The idea that this app would be great in the background that the user is just going about their day you know, talking on the phone or using an Alexa, or would it be like active or user at stake? I want to check my. So the uh, application is the question. He's, he's basically wanting to know how it functions, whether it's sort of in the background tracking what it is that you're doing or whether you actually have to actively interact with the platform. So it is uh, based, it is a web app, a cross-platform one, and uh, it is based on uh, elicitation tasks. So we are merely asking a patient to describe an everyday activity, and uh, we are providing accurate uh, screening regarding a wide range of neurodegenerative diseases. And we are also providing an API which is uh, easily integrated with other solutions. Thank you so much. So next we'll have Hardy Rideout from Anacalypsis. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Hardy Rideout. I'm a co-founder and CSO of Anacalypsis uh, Therapeutics. And as our name suggests, our, our mission is to discover new uh, biomarkers and disease-modifying uh, therapeutics for neurodegenerative diseases such as Parkinson's disease, for which there are no approved uh, therapies that interrupt the disease. 
So we are uh, developing a first-in-class therapeutic that targets uh, a protein called LARC2 in mutations in this disease, in this gene that causes Parkinson's disease, increases binding to a protein complex that triggers the death of neurons. And our compound disrupts this uh, complex and interrupts the, the death pathway and preserves the function and the survival of neurons. And this precision is our distinguishing feature for this compound, that it selectively disrupts this target, leaving all of the other functions of, of this important kinase uh, intact. <coughs> so over 10 million people globally suffer from PD, from Parkinson's disease, and we have estimated the, the total addressable market uh, in the U.S. to be approximately 150,000 linked to a, a particular genetic form of the disease. And, and in the U.S. alone, in particular, they're, they're currently facing uh, more than 50 billion economic burden just from Parkinson's disease alone. Uh, we are a B2B entity, meaning that we generate, we will generate our revenue through this, the licensing of IP or different therapeutic assets to pharmaceutical companies, as well as uh, establishment of R&D partnerships with companies like that to, to further develop our therapeutic pipeline. In fact, we've had some early discussions with, with some uh, pharmaceutical companies, both for our biomarker products and our, our therapeutic uh, components. We, both of our co-founders are based in Athens, and we're supported by two advisory boards made up of uh, external directors as well as scientific advisors based both in, in the US and in, and in Greece. And in terms of IP, we've advanced our first uh, patent, to, which is protecting our uh, biomarker product to the PCT stage, and we have an additional three other um, applications in, in, in development. So we're a very early company, so we've, we've raised only about $110,000, mostly from friends and family investments and from a loan. And currently we're seeking a $3 million seed investment, which we'll use to advance our therapeutic uh, compound to the clinical stage. Um, facilitate the validation and launch of our biomarker product, and accomplish a few additional hires of scientific and non-scientific personnel. And of course, we are seeking investments from uh, Boston and US-based life science VCs, and as well as uh, external partnerships with pharmaceutical companies to advance our, our products. And with that, I'd like to thank you and uh, take any questions you have. So it sounds like obviously you're preclinical. Where are you at scientifically in terms of the preclinical development? So we've reached, at least for our, our lead therapeutic, we've reached, we've completed all of the cellular preclinical studies. We're at the point now to transition into the in vivo preclinical phase, leading us to the IND application and, and so forth. And our other components of our therapeutic pipe, pipeline are at an earlier stage of development, but progressing. And have you been able to get any publications out yet? We have a number of publications based, like establishing the mechanism of action. The rest are kind of pending our our our, our strategy. <laughs> but yes, they, we have. Thank, Thank you. you very much. <laughs> really interesting stuff. <clears throat> and I love the theme of the uh, conversations tonight because these everyone is really targeting such critically important clinical um, issues and in full disclosure I was a basic science researcher before I went to law school studying neurodegenerative disease so 
this is really, really fun for me. Sorry, it's so nerdy, I admit it, but <laughs> true story. So next we'll hear from Konstantinos Zozakis from Anodyne Nanotech. Thank you very much, and thank you to the Hellenic Innovation Network for the invitation. I'm Konstantinos Zozakis, co-founder and chief business officer at Anodyne Nanotech. Anodyne is a preclinical stage drug delivery company. So, even though there have been tremendous advancements in the field of biologics, with over 350 products approved by the FDA, they still require these painful injections. These injections are most of the time administered by healthcare professionals, and they must be kept cold to remain stable. At Anodyne, we are developing a much more convenient alternative for all the stakeholders. A painless, easy-to-use transdermal patch that can be self-administered at home and without the need for cold chain distribution. To achieve that, we are using our patented uh, solid-state porous microlinear technology uh, that is originally developed and licensed from uh, Tatsu University. This new class of microneedles significantly increases uh, drug loading capabilities. In a single patch, in a tiny patch like that, we can load up to 5 milligrams of macromolecules like peptide therapeutics and monoclonal antibodies while maintaining chemical stability at room temperature. Our initial focus is on drugs that already approved, currently administered via septicemic injection, and each dose is equal to or less than 5 milligrams. This targeted approach pursues a $47 billion opportunity. The median sales of a product in this market is over $485 million, and with 22 manufacturers uh, involved in the space and many patents begin to expire, We'll have many opportunities to either partner with a pharmaceutical company or enter the market with our own products. To date, uh, we have raised uh, $4.2 million. We have 10 people on our team, eight here in Boston and two in Greece. Uh, we already have two uh, early collaborations with uh, multinational pharmaceutical companies. And uh, right now, we are raising uh, our Series A to move uh, to expand our team and move uh, and conduct our first clinical trial. We are raising a total of uh, 8 million, 50% of which is uh, spoken for from our existing investors. So we're looking to bring in uh, life science venture capital or a pharmaceutical venture arm to lead the round. And uh, as you can imagine, it is impossible to cover all aspects of uh, our business in uh, three minutes. So I look forward to connecting with those of you interested in learning more. Thank you. diseases would benefit from uh, your product? So that, that's a great question. So we are mostly focusing yeah, on... Can you repeat the question? Yeah, so what kind of diseases would benefit from our product? So we are mostly focused on the drugs, but it's a great question. So this market that I mentioned is mostly for uh, therapies like, you know, diabetes and these closed areas, but anything that a peptide uh, therapeutic or some of antibodies fit this uh, dosing with. Can you talk a tiny bit about what your existing partnerships look like? I cannot, let's say, much because they are very confidential, but uh, most of them are in the feasibility stage, so the pharmaceutical will want to find an alternative route of administration, so they will come to us, give us a drug, we'll have a contract and execute some in vitro, then move to some in vivo uh, for a proof of concept, and then go to the commercial stage where there is a specific part that needs to be designed, and then we'll conduct uh, from our coordinated, mostly, mostly from the studies to do that. 
Great. Thank you so much. All right. Last but not least, we'll hear from Paris Yogas from Adventus. I'm going to try to keep it fast because everyone else is eating outside. So <laughs> anyway, so uh, pleasure to be here. I'm Paris, co-founder and CEO of Advantis Medical Imaging. At Advantis, we alleviate the growing workload of radiology departments. Through the oh, sorry, I thought that was here with our foundation. Yeah, I did. Uh, so what would be at Advantis? At Advantis, we alleviate the growing workload of radiology departments through the provision of more accurate, accessible, and automated MRI software applications. It is evident that every year, the qualified radiologist who screen medical images is decreasing significantly. On the other side, there is an exponential growth of medical images which are acquired globally. At Advantis, we have identified this global need and we decided to enter this market in order to introduce Advantis Platform. Advantis Platform is a pure web-based and automated MRI software application for the analysis and visualization of both brain and prostate MRIs. It is intended to be used for the analysis and visualization of the two modalities in order to be used on the diagnostic workflow of uh, brain cancer, prostate cancer, and neurological pathologies. So let me give you more information. The solution with its automated and highly reliable processing workflows can reduce the processing time by at least 50%, assisting the physicians to achieve a more timely and accurate diagnosis. In 2019, we released our flagship solution, the Brain MRI solution, which is currently FDA cleared in the United States, CMARC in Europe, available for clinical purposes. In 2021, end of 2021, in order to expand the capabilities of the platform and also expand our market, we introduced the prostate MRI solution, which is currently available in Europe and FDA pending in the United States. As a Greek company, initially we started addressing our home market, the Greek market, and then we realized that we need to expand outside Greece. During the past 12 months, we expanded in other four countries, including the United States, in which a couple of months ago, we uh, realized our first collaborations with top academic institutions. From the early establishment of the company, we have raised $2.9 million. 60% of them refer to non-equity funds from grants and loans. Today, we're looking for an investment of 3 million USD that is going to be mainly used for the commercial expansion of the company in the United States, including the creation of a commercial team in Boston. A couple of days ago, I moved in Boston, and I'm going to lead the execution of this plan in collaboration with my team back in Greece. Therefore, in case you find Advantis interesting, I would really appreciate your help in case you have any introductions to top university hospitals, academic institutions, life science investors, and even individual physicians in the neurodiology, radiology, and neurosurgery uh, topic. So in order to connect with me, you can scan this QR code. You'll find my full contact details. Feel free to get in touch with me. And of course, don't forget to get your hat and advantage hat on the uh, booth that we have outside. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to your questions. I think there's a yeah, one question. How much do you anticipate this maybe reducing the cost of MRI and everything? Yeah, interesting question. Uh, yeah, uh, how much we can reduce the, the cost of the MRI? Well, you know, the cost of the MRI is a multi-parametric uh, figure. Uh, we do not integrate our solution to the MRI, so we do not reduce the acquisition time. Uh, we reduce the processing time. It's the time that the physician is required to analyze, further analyze an MRI scan. So imagine that with traditional solutions, uh, there's an average of around 40, 45 minutes for advanced cases, you know, 
brain cancer cases, prostate cancer cases. Physicians work a lot with manual processing, working with uh, obsolete and uh, very low and you know, solutions that require a lot of manual work. So we eliminate this manual work. We standardize the process by introducing automated reporting, which eliminates any human error and human bias, and also increases standardization within a health organization, providing a unified you know, quality of service outside to corresponding physicians such as urologists or neurologists and so on. Uh, do you plan to collect the information so you can feed it back in and improve the software, or improve the way does the um, the detection of potential? For training, for training, yeah, uh, this, yeah, this is also you know uh, it, it has a lot of uh, concerns regarding legal uh, aspects about the type of collaboration that you have with the provider. Uh, if you have some kind of an extended collaboration that you can use the data for further purposes apart from the diagnostic purposes because the direct collaboration has to do with the provision of the software for day-to-day -day clinical purposes. But if you have an extended collaboration with an institution and you have a legal framework that supports that, you can, you can do that, of course. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Really, really interesting uh, companies, and I wish you all the very, very best of luck. Um, at this point, we're going to turn the stage over to um, the Hellenic Innovation Network Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, so is Stratos here? So I, I have the honor uh, in my last event here to uh, present to Mr. George Barakis the Hellenic Innovation Network uh, uh, Life Achievement Award. This, of course, cannot be compared to the honor and the medal he will receive two weeks uh, afterwards at the special ceremony in DC during the Prime Minister's office there. But George is such a model for Greek and uh, Greek-American entrepreneurs and we cannot thank him enough. And we need to thank him here too. George Beraki started his career as a pharmacist, medicine researcher, and businessman. As an entrepreneur, he started Duner Laboratories and later purchased Mural Pharmaceuticals, which he led to great success in asthma and immunology products. After retiring, George began an extensive career in philanthropy with a focus on education, Greek art, healthcare and culture. Dr. Berakis has supported his alma mater, the Northeastern University, with more than $130 million. Thanks to George's support and generosity, at the MFA Boston, the George and Margot Berakis wing of ancient Greek and Roman art highlights the grandeur and magnificence of ancient Greece and our culture. And last December, we celebrated the opening of six new galleries at the, M at the MFA. Sunday's New York Times dedicated one whole page on the six new galleries uh, at the MFA. On a personal uh, note, as an uh, anti-smoker and the son of a father who had uh, was suffered from lung cancer, I want to thank Mr. Berakis for his anti-smoking initiative and his national campaign in Greece, uh, a campaign that uh, raises awareness and promotes public health. I just learned today that their lab in Plaka uh, was voted as the best lab in, U in EU in uh, 
for their work um, in uh, anti-smoking. And uh, I think this is praiseworthy. And we also need to note uh, the uh, support George has been extending to, to Lowell, which, has, uh, which is also known as the Acropolis of the Greeks in America. And it's the city where uh, George uh, was born in America. Uh, George has been supporting uh, his parish and the Hellenic American Academy at Lowell, which is the last Greek speaking school uh, in New England. So his support is incredible. And I would like to congratulate him and ask him to come here for so that we can give him the, uh, the award. George. This is, this is an innovation because this is the first coin in uh, ancient Aegina. This is the first coin of Greece. Uh, you mean it's not for money? It's, uh, <laughs> well, you have created value <laughs> and this is about business and innovation. And uh, thank you so much thank for, you. for what you have. Uh, and we wish you the best when you go to Brussels. Thank you so much. When you leave it, in June? It will be July, early July. July. Congratulations, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Where's Marina? Thank you very much, Stratus and Marina. Thank you. Just a few words. I know you're all tired sitting down. And uh, I just want to thank my wife, Margot, my daughter, Stephanie, here, and my son, Greg. But uh, in short terms, I grew up in Lowell, Massachusetts, and my granddaughter, Margot. I grew up in Lowell, Massachusetts. When I grew up, we had 20, 21,000 Greeks. And uh, what happened was that the government decided to get rid of the Greeks in Lowell because they were getting too political. We had mayors. Now, we all know Paul Tonkas, but he came later. And uh, they destroyed most of the area in downtown Lowell where the Greeks lived. So 10,000 Greeks left and went throughout the United States, the West Coast, Chicago, Astoria, Washington, Atlanta. So that left about 8,000. Today we have about 6,000 Greeks in law. But uh, my, my career was very simple. Having an, uh, I was in the pharmaceutical and uh, I was in the service and I was the buyer for the US Army for doing a war in Vietnam War. I was buying the drugs that were being shipped to Vietnam. So I got to know a lot of pharmaceutical companies. And uh, I decided I had, uh, they asked me to join a number of them. And I decided to go with a small family company called McNeil Laboratories in Philadelphia, which eventually was purchased by Johnson & Johnson. I started off in a lab, but because I gave uh, some comments about drugs in common language, they moved me into marketing. <laughs> so for marketing, I started to express myself in sales, so I wanted to know what was going on, so I started to walk the streets to learn about the physicians, the researchers, the hospitals, the pharmacies, and everything. I decided I was doing too much business for Johnson & Johnson. They moved me into the hospital division. I took over the hospital division for I formed it in the United States. I decided to leave and start my own company, 
which I did in Havel, Massachusetts. And uh, I sold it to a company called Sanofi Aventis. And then I uh, went into ophthalmology because I love to do different things in the pharmaceutical industry. I developed eye, eye drops, which now if you go into drugstores, look at a product called Opcon, Opcon A, sold over the counter for allergic conjunctivitis, and also another drug called Mural 128, which is for swelling of your eyeball. But there's about 12 different ophthalmology drugs we get approved from Food and Drug. I sold that company to Bosch and Long. And then I decided to go into asthma and allergy, immunology, and <laughs> the rest was history. I sold that to a German company called Degusa Astomedica, served on their board in Frankfurt and Munich, spent a lot of time in Europe, and uh, the rest is history. But with the Greek community, I've always been a great fan, as you know, Stratos, the Greek community, not only in Lowell, but across the country. Very important, the youth get to understand uh, about the Greeks, where they came from, how they developed. The most important thing my father taught us, who came here from Greece, and my mother came from Greece, our first generation, there were five of us, they told us, remember, education is power. We all went to college. A lot of us got higher degrees. Two girls, four, three boys, the girls became accountants. I went into pharmaceuticals. My brother went to University of Georgia. My brother, my other brother was an aeronautical engineer. So we, they pushed us. They pushed us to go and educate ourselves, which is very important. Without education, you really are in trouble today. With the technology you just heard from all these people, having these biotech companies, very important. But I want to thank the Hellenic Initiative for Innovation for honoring me today. And uh, thank you all for coming. I enjoyed it. I didn't take notes, but I remember everything. <laughs> thank you. So um, that is our program, but it's not over because the point of um, the real bottom line here is to network for you all to get to know each other. In particular, please introduce yourself to the startups um, because they're looking to get connected into the very rich tech ecosystem here in Boston. Um, and for you startups, be very clear about what you're looking for when you meet each person. And um, I hope you're all able to um, make some really valuable new connections.